I remember a long time ago before, of course, before I had left my hometown, I was still living in my old house. Um, it was when my parents were moving back and forth, moving their stuff. They had moved down south, further down south than where I ended up driving to because um, my mom got restationed. And I remember they were letting me finish high school out um, up in the up with my, you know, my class and whatnot. And Tommy and I had like just messed around. Anyway, I say all that to say this. I was at home. You know, my parents were supposed to be out of town. And me and Tommy had just had our first real get together. Even though now I reflect back on it and it's like, no, we were physical for a very long time, but it wasn't like mutual. It wasn't sexual. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, at this time, my parents had been going back and forth, moving stuff, making trips and moving stuff. I fully expected them to be gone. They were supposed to be gone. Um, and I remember that weekend I was, you know, at the house myself. I was thinking about Tommy and I was in, <laughs> I was in the kitchen and I just slowly took off all my clothes. I remember, I forget what I was making and I burned it. I took off all my clothes and I sat on the kitchen. I know I sat on the kitchen Island counter and just legs fully spread laid out i was like i remember i was like i was i was choking myself i was like being really rough and just like getting really into it and i was beating myself off like furiously and i was like throwing my hips and like getting into it i was being very loud very verbal something i had never done up until that point and i i've said this i think before like i always knew i liked guys I always knew I liked guys, but it didn't become like, it was more just like, oh, I think that person's so cute or, oh, they're, they're such a cool guy or, oh, they look really handsome, but it wasn't about sex to me until that night with Tommy. And I remember like imagining myself, picturing myself, like railing him picturing myself doing all kinds of like things that I didn't feel comfortable about, but I was saying them out loud and I was squeezing my neck and I was had a newfound love for my own penis that I didn't have before. And I had my fingers in my mouth and I was finger fucking my mouth and I was doing all this dirty shit and I was being very vocal. And I remember opening my eyes just in time see my dad walk in. Thank God he made it in before my mom. Thank God he made it in before my mom. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. And my dad just looked at me. He looked down and he said, go to your fucking room. <laughs> and I jumped, like I flew. I like levitated. I teleported out of the room. I don't, and then my memory goes blank. I don't even remember what happened after that, but I just remember the feeling of absolute shock and terror and like, just like somebody dumped a bucket of ice water on me. Like ice was flowing through my veins. I was so mortified. It was more than embarrassing. 
I didn't know what to do. And we never talked about it after that. Me and him, we never talked about it after that. Um, <laughs> I remember when I finally got the nerve to come out of my room fully dressed. My dad was scrubbing down the... <laughs> he was scrubbing down the, um, the island counter. And my mom comes in and she's like, why are you cleaning already? I mean, why are you cleaning? It's already clean in here. He didn't say anything, and I didn't say anything. I remember we had dinner that night. My mom had gone out to my favorite place to eat in town and brought back food, and I just sat there like my stomach was in knots, and I was just like, oh, my God. And my dad was quiet. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, I kept thinking about what did he hear me say. It wasn't just the fact that I was jerking off. It's the fact that I know I was calling Tommy's name. I know that I was saying all kinds of things. So I was like, what did he hear? Did he hear anything? Did he hear any of the things that I was saying? And even in all of my, like, disturbed embarrassment, I was still thinking about Tommy and what we did. I was thinking about the way his lips felt. I was thinking about the way his hands felt when they were wrapped around me and we were dancing. And then I started to piece together a lot of other things about the times that we had together. It's not important. But anyway, more... Th- okay, so the reason why I bring all that stuff up is because as embarrassed as I was then, I think I was even more embarrassed, more disturbed, more shaken sitting down at this dinner table and hearing Amir moaning and begging for me and taking me. We're sitting there. Well, I'm sitting there. Sir is sitting across the table. Amir is standing up. And... (sighs) It's really hot in the room. (laughs) That's all I can say. It's really hot. I feel like it felt like something could explode at any moment. And I was just mortified. I was so embarrassed. And I was angry at Amir for doing this and not including me in on it. I was like, what the hell are you doing? And I naturally feel like, okay, I need to fix this. I need to, I need to make it known that I didn't put Amir up to this, that I'm not in on this. Like, this is not, I had no idea this was happening. Finally, Sir seems to snap out of his trance and he picks up Amir's phone and he chucks it across the room. I duck because naturally I think it's coming in my direction. Um, And I duck down, I feel kind of dumb, but I duck down and it goes not nowhere close to my direction. And it flies out of the room into like the living space. And it hits something. I don't know what it's hit. And Amir's dad is just screaming all kinds of things in a language that I don't understand. And Amir's just calm. He's not, maybe not calm is the wrong word. He's still, but I can feel him like, holding it together. 
And I'm just sitting there looking down, not able to move. I can barely think. And Amir's dad is going all the way the fuck off. And finally, once he's kind of done, Amir sits there and he says, Amir does something I wasn't expecting. He takes, he's wearing all these rings and he just starts to strip them off one by one. He's taking them off his hands. And as he does, I can feel, I can see his face twisting. And he takes the rings and he throws them across the table. Not hard, but he just kind of, you know, slides them across the table in his father's direction. And he says, look at me. Why can't you just be happy for me? Amir storms out and I'm left with Sir and I'm like, oh my God, don't leave me, don't leave me. But he's gone and I don't want to chase after him. And I sit there for a while and I'm just desperate to think of something to say to break the silence. But what is there to say? What can I say? And I look up at Sir and he looks at me and the look he's given me is like, you already know. And I can't help it. I burst out laughing and I'm laughing because mainly because it's like, this could have gone worse. And also too, I laugh when I'm nervous. I always have. Um, usually if I have to do anything where I'm, it's out loud, if I have to like speak and I'm like nervous or whatever, I'm a giggler. Um, it's just one of the ways that I cope. And I start laughing and I'm laughing pretty freaking loud. Like something is funny and it's not funny. And the more I laugh, the more I can't stop laughing. And eventually I get it together. And I stand up and I walk over to Sir. And I pour him another glass of wine. And I said, Sir, I love Amir more than I love almost anything else. He's a good man. You have a great son. He's still giving me those daggers. And I said, the only thing that's standing between me and the greatest man I've ever known is you. So, I don't like you. And you don't like me. We already have so much in common. I said, let's, let's go for a walk. We're out walking around Amir's property, silent for a very long time. I'm thinking, what can I possibly say to him? But you know how it's easy sometimes to talk to somebody that you, you don't have to please? Like, there's nothing that I can say, I feel like, to make this guy hate me more. He's already seen everything. Um, and I don't, I don't like him. So the words actually come very easy. I start at the beginning. I said, you know, I didn't even know his name for the longest time when I first met him. Then I told him about how I tried to impress him, how I tried to be seen by him, how I fell off the treadmill trying to be seen by him. 
I told him about the first kiss. I told him about the first date. I told him a lot of things. And to say like he's friendly or like he's even really entertaining me is not, well, I guess he actually kind of, listen, I think he actually kind of is. I think he can't help but hear what I say. Even if he won't, even if he doesn't want to believe it, because he keeps pushing me back on everything. He's like, you Americans, all you care about is your fucking money and this, that, and the third. And like, you care nothing about family values and family morals and all of this stuff. And I was like, um, excuse me. First of all, I know you don't believe that. I know you don't believe that because you know Amir. And you know that Amir is a great judge of character. I know you don't believe that. But secondly, Let's talk about family values. Let's talk about how physically ill Amir gets when he knows you're coming into town. Let's talk about how he cries for his mother because he can't see her, because you won't let him see her. And I know that of all the brothers that Amir has, he only talks to one of them because the other ones are constantly reporting information about him back to you. He said, fuck you. You sell gym membership. What the fuck do you know? And I said, I sell gym memberships and I'm damn good at what I do. And also too, I just want you to know, I signed a prenup. A prenup that I initiated, where if things go sour, I don't get anything. So when I first moved to this city, I was homeless. I did not go to college. I barely made it through high school. I came out here. I didn't know anybody. And now I'm making more money than I ever thought I could make. I don't need Amir to support me financially. What I need from Amir is for Amir to be Amir for me. So fuck you. What do you know? I said, sir, I'm going to tell you something else that you don't know. And something that I can't figure out either. Amir still loves you. And Amir still, deep down, really wants to have your approval. You should see him when he works. He talks about you all the time. He talks about the lessons that you've taught him the things that you've taught him. I know that it can't have been all bad. He would always say things like, my dad says this, my dad says that. My dad says there's no such things as lies, only detours to the truth. And I look at Sir and he kind of draws back. Clearly, this is something that he said. And I said, for whatever reason, even if Amir is afraid of you, he still loves you. For whatever reason, you can't love him enough to let him live. And I know I've already pushed it far enough, but God doesn't like me anyway, so I keep going. And I said, it's not the money, so what is it? It's not about this girl and this family that he'd be, you'd be taking on and whatever it is that you're doing. It's not about that. It's not about this transaction. You've treated a mayor like this Long before that, Amir thinks, and I stop myself, and he looks at me, and I'm like, oh, God, do I want to say this? And I'm contemplating, like, whether I just say this or not. Amir told me this a long time ago when we first met, that he thinks his dad, well, anyway. Sir is pressing me for the answer, and I say, Amir thinks that maybe you and he have more in common than you'd be willing to let anybody know. And without warning, 
Like, I feel the sting on my face before I even know he hit me. And I'm shocked and not as shocked as he is. I'm just standing there like, uh, okay. I mean, it hurt. It didn't hurt enough. It didn't hurt that bad, but it hurt. And I'm just standing there like, oh, shit. And I sit down. I'm on, we're in, we're in the middle of like Amir's property, not the middle, but like off, it's kind of hard to describe. I'm off on the path. Amir has like a path that goes around his property and there's like a little like garden area with like a, um, what do you call this thing? Like a, not an awning, but like a, I don't know, a patio or what, I don't know what it's called. And anyway, we're over there. There's like a water feature. Um, and it goes off into like a larger water feature. Anyway, I'm sit. I just sit down and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I know I pushed hard, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, shit, he actually hit me. <laughs> and it, it hurt like a bitch, too. I was like, oh, shit. And I sit down, and he's standing there shocked. Like, I can see the fumes coming off of him, but I can also see, like, the, oh, shit, I messed up. And I just sit there. And he doesn't move. He just stands there and stands next to me. And finally, when the water is not threatening to fall out of my eyes i look up at him and i say so what was his name and he is vibrating he's so shaken and we sit there i sit there for what seems like a really really long time and he turns and he walks away and then he stops and he looks at me, and I can see it in his eyes. I can see the water in his eyes. And he says his name is Hamzi. And he doesn't seem like he's going to say anything, but at least he sits down. And after too long, I mean, the sun is starting to set at this point. I look at him and I say, family friend, you grew up with him. You take vacations twice a year to France. That Hamzi? And he looks at me wide-eyed. I said, Amir told me. Amir said that he used to love when he would come around because you would be free. You would be nice. You would smile. Just the mention that he was coming into town meant that it was going to be a wonderful day for Amir. And Sir looks at me and he's like, I didn't think he knew. And I said, I don't think he knew either. Amir didn't tell me that you guys were in love, but the way that he described him, he said it was the only time that you were happy. So I just figured maybe, maybe. I said, so why didn't you make it work? I mean, you had money. You could have left. You could have, you could have gone anywhere you wanted to and lived happily ever after. And he said, because it's not that easy. I had a family. He said, you should be thankful. Had I ran off with anybody else, you wouldn't have a mirror to this day now, would you? I said, you got a point. He said, everything is not about what you want. As an individual, sometimes you make sacrifices for your family. Sometimes you do what you're supposed to do. 
for the good of other people. And I made that sacrifice. And I said, I understand that. And honestly, thank you for that. If it wasn't for your sacrifice, I wouldn't have a mirror today. So, but, I mean, why can't you let Amir live the life that he wants to live? You drilled business and all of these things into his head from birth. And not only did he run with it, he surpassed anything that you probably could have imagined him doing. Why not just let him live? Why can't you just let him be free? Are you that worried about what everybody else is going to say? And as the words were coming out of my mouth, it clicked. I was like, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And as it clicked in my mind, he said it for me. He said, I don't have a gay son. I am not gay. I was like, fuck. This has nothing to do with Amir. This is all about people looking at you. Questioning you. All this time, all these resources, everything that you have, and you're still hiding that secret since you were a little boy. All of the money all of the resources, all of the bad shit I know you've done. And you're still afraid of people finding out your secret. I said, Amir told me that you used to say, a man who abandons his family is a boy who will never become a man. And I said, what is a man who abandons himself? I said to sir, I said, you know, you've made a lot of hard choices in your life. You chose your family over maybe your own happiness. Is it too much to ask for one more hard decision? You know, whether you believe it or not, no matter how angry Amir is at you, he still wants your approval. He still needs your approval. He's desperate for it. Is there any way, is there any way you can set him free? You don't have to like it. You know, and I, and I felt a little weird about saying this, but I said, I don't think even Amir wants to be so public and facing forward and I'm okay with that as long as I have him nothing else matters so we won't embarrass you I just need for I just don't say yes don't say no but just think about it you have a great son set him free I make it back up to the house and <laughs> I go seeking Amir. He's not in his room. He's not, I can't, I couldn't find him for like the longest time. I actually had to text him. And I was like, where are you? And he was in, he was in somewhere else in the house. 
Um, I don't want to say where. Um, so I go into them and I started like, at for, like, okay. So you know how like when you're angry, it's like, ooh, I'm going to cuss you out when I get a hold of you. <laughs> I was so pissed. I was so mad. I was like, you set me up. I was, I walked in the room and I was like, you you know, I wanted to yell like, what the fuck were you thinking? You put me on this, you know? And as soon as I saw his face, like, I was just disarmed. And I was like, I can't be mad at you. And I walked over to him and he was sitting down in his chair. And I kind of just held his face in my torso. I rubbed my fingers through his hair. And I could feel the wetness coming through my shirt. I just held him. And I thought, this actually went a little bit better than what I thought it would. You know, I don't think Amir's dad didn't hear what I was saying to him. I felt like maybe there's hope. Maybe there's progress that's being made here. I didn't even get a chance to say anything to Amir, really. I was just holding him. And before I knew it, I heard a soft knock at the door. And we both turned, and it was Sir standing there. And he said, so we having dessert or what? And I looked at Amir, and Amir looked at me. Amir looked almost overjoyed. And he stood up, and he cleaned his face off, and he took me by the hand. And we went back to the table. It was still awkward. It was still, there weren't words really had. We just sat there eating, but it was progress. Amir tells me this story. Later on that night, we're in bed together, completely naked. Um, and I have his flesh pressed up against my stomach, and it is impossible not to respond to that. But anyway. I think we're both kind of emotionally spent from the day. And I'm telling Amir about the conversation that me and his dad had. And Amir is just in awe. But I leave out the part. I leave out the part about what his dad. I leave out the the Hamzi part. And Amir said, I knew if anybody could get him to come around, it'd be you. I don't know why I left out the Hamzi part. I just, it just didn't feel necessary. And I'll tell him eventually. I'll tell him eventually. It's just not necessary in this moment. And then Amir tells me the story about a really close friend that he used to have when he moved back, when he was back home. Part of the reason why he left. He tells me how close they were and how they did everything together. And then how that became romantic. And when it was found out, when he was discovered, he said he never saw his friend again. Not only did he never see his friend again, when he went over to this person's house, the entire family was gone, as if they had never existed. And a small circuit of self-preservation in the back of my head is like, do I really need to be involved in this? (laughs) But when he kisses me, I know the answer is yes. Okay, so 
I know that it has been a while since I posted an episode. Please excuse me. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been kind of crazy. I was talking to um, one of you. Maybe you're listening to this right now. Wow, I got the email notification that all of my episodes were pulled off of Spotify. Like, I just got this random email out of nowhere. I think I was actually working on an episode. I was doing something. I forget what I was doing. And I got an email. It was like, you know, you have violated our our terms of our content policy. And all your account's been deleted, essentially, is basically what it said. Something to that effect. And I was like, no way. So I go and I try to log in. I can't get in. And I tried another way. I can't get in. And I get online with their their tech support team, Spotify for Podcasters text tech text support team and it was the weirdest experience oh let's help you out let's find out what's going on and then they'd be like oh we're sorry you have violated these terms and we can't help you and i was like well i don't condone like violence or other things and because that was part of the thing that they like mentioned and i was like i don't do that and if you're talking about just like sexual content i'm sorry but you guys you guys sponsor podcasts like you guys pay millions of dollars to to host podcasts that don't filter things that I filter out. And I forget what I would say back both times I reached out to them. They just like cold ended the conversation and like closed the chat. Finally, I reached out to I don't even know if you want to hear all this, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. I reached out to I want to say it was their VP of podcast or something and i reached out to spotify some spotify email that i found and i was just like what's going on here and i was like in the middle of pride month you know i pulled every flag i could i really did you know this is a great way to start off pride month canceling this gay podcast you know and like i would say an hour later my account was back open again and then um, after after that, I was like, thank God. So I've been pulling episodes off of Spotify so that if this ever happens again, I'll just put them on YouTube and we'll call it we'll call it what it is. Um, and I'll put them elsewhere and we'll just leave Spotify alone because I can't keep <laughs> I can't keep dealing with this. Um, but anyway, after that happened, I was in. You know, what I really think triggered it is since the podcast has been mo- monetized and I've been doing like host read ads for the the thing um i got my first set and then i read it and it would air during my episodes and then they stopped it and were like oh we're waiting we're reviewing your whatever and then i got that notice um so now that it's back on they have reached out to me and said because of the sexual nature of what it is that you do we're not going to sponsor the podcast which is hey listen i would rather be able to say what i want to say for free than have to you know scale this back for for what you know what i mean with that being said we are now not monetized and mr brooks locker room confessions once again is brought to you by viewers like yourself if you can if you can if you can not a huge deal but if you can and thank you to those that are if you can financially contribute to this podcast, it makes a big difference. Um, if not, you're still welcome as family. We're all family here. Um, but we are going to talk about dicks and we're going to talk about balls. And we're going to talk about ass. And we're going to say whatever the fuck we want to say. And we're not going to be penalized for it. And if we are, we'll just take our happy little selves and we'll go elsewhere. If this ever happens again, 
um I released I released like notices on Twitter and on Reddit. If you haven't followed me over on Twitter or Reddit, um, it's a great way to find out if I ever get kicked off of Spotify again. It's a great way to keep in touch with me so that you can find out where it is I'm going to be putting my energy next if, for whatever reason, this falls through. And if you can contribute to the podcast, the best ways to do it is not through Spotify anymore. <laughs> the best ways to do it is on Cash App at Mr. Brooks Confesses or Vimo at Mr. Brooks Confesses. Next episode kicks off season five. My goodness. Here we go.